Good morning. Good morning. All right. Am I on? Check, check, check. Check, check. Oh, yep. All right. Ta da da. Um, all right. I'm going to be quick. Well, I don't want to make any promises. I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, and then um, we'll uh, get you out of here. Um, yeah, maybe sing a few more songs and then get you out of here. Matthew chapter 6, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, um, and then if I have time for it, um, uh, Haggai chapter 1. I might just quote it to you without reading it, it's, um, but, uh, but, but I, I, I would like to encourage you to look at Haggai chapter 1, uh, maybe after, after today. All right. Matthew chapter 6, First Timothy chapter 6. Um, wow, so many sixes. Do Isaiah chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 6. I don't know the sixth psalm, but I imagine it's good. Are you ready? All right, why don't you stand? Let's pray together. Let's go. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for you. Thank you for um, uh, the beauty of uh, the wisdom um, of your word. Thank you, God, for the beauty of the life that you've called us to. Thank you, God, that you have not just called us to a set of rules, um, but you've called us to total and complete joy and fulfillment in you. Thank you, God, that you've made a way, um, not just, Lord, for us to, uh, uh, to do things um, that are right, um, but uh, for us to enjoy uh, the bountiful world that you've created for us, um, the glory of the earth, the glory of the heavens, um, all the beauty of the work of your hands. Um, and we're, we're quite, quite grateful for it. Um, Father, as we're here today, pray uh, that you would really open our hearts and our minds. Um, uh, and I pray, God, that you would do something that really changes us and shapes us and helps us. I pray, God, that you would, um, that you would bless us, God, with the knowledge of you and with a grace, Lord, um, to really choose you, to be able to walk out the things that we claim to believe are true and good and right, um, to have the strength, Lord, to act on our convictions and our beliefs. Uh, bless us, God. Um, bless us, God, with a life that is not hypocritical, uh, but a life, Lord, um, that is true uh, to what we know. Thank you um, for that. Thank you, God, for uh, the opportunity to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. Um, why are there so many more of you here? Um, oh, 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 our church is here. Okay, all right, that's okay. That's okay. All right, cool. Welcome. Welcome. Brunel's in the front row. That's just normal for church. Very good. Welcome. Um, all right. Good morning. Um, I want to ask you a question um, that I hope you know the answer to. Um, uh, what is the worst sin? If you live in the culture that we live in today, um, you probably think of the worst sin as sexual sin, adultery or something of that sort, uh, because that's the one that gets paraded around um, by people. Uh, Sexual sin is not good. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, maybe murder, uh, taking of a, a life. Um, murder is also not good. Shouldn't do it. Uh, nor should you steal, nor should you lie, nor should you be greedy or jealous or impatient uh, or easily angered. Uh, all those things are bad. But there's one uh, that uh, if you um, read the scriptures in totality and uh, think about uh, what God emphasizes most, what does he 
most often disappointed in? What is he most angry about? Uh, what is the reason for which God topples empires and, um, and, uh, um, uh, and, and allows his people to be exiled? What, what is that? It, it's, it's not sexual sin. Um, it's not greed. It's not murder. It's not any of those things. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. By far, by far, the sin that God reacts to the most, the, the, the sin that God is least understanding of, uh, the sin that God has the least tolerance for is, is, is not sexual sin, although that's bad, and especially shameful. We've, we've created a culture with a lot of shame around that. Um, uh, but, uh, but it's not that. It's, it's idolatry. That, that's the one that, that most... Um, uh, it, this is not a particularly risky uh, thing to say, in my opinion. I, I think it's very, very, very clear uh, that idolatry... Uh, 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 brings about the wrath of God. Idolatry brings about the, the judgment of God. I, idolatry brings about um, the, the response of God um, uh, in a way that really no other sin does. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the, the problem, though, is that, um, uh, the, the problem is that the people of God have a way of falling into idolatry, which is, uh, which is really unfortunate. There are very few generations of the people of God that did not fall into idolatry, like very, very, very few. Uh, uh, examples of that. And, uh, and, and in our church today, um, uh, we actually sometimes exalt idolatry. Now, uh, that may not be welcome news um, because we you know, call ourselves Christians, um, uh, but God does not care so much about what we call ourselves. Uh, what he cares about is the content of our hearts. Um, uh, labels uh, is not at all important to God. You could label yourself a Christian, it doesn't really matter. Uh, in fact, you could label yourself a non-Christian if you want. <laughs> there, it, it, strikingly, there are, there are some people that um, don't seem to be able to profess that they trust God because uh, they are bitter at the church or uh, you know, because they suffered under some pastor or some church abuse, and yet every time something happens in their life, they turn to, they, they turn to God. <laughs> you know, they go and they pray and, and ask God for help. And uh, so it's, okay. it's like, okay, so you don't want to say that, you know, you don't want to go to church because you don't like the church and you don't want to say that you're a Christian because some Christian hurt you, but, uh, but you turn to God every time you need him. I mean, you know, so... Um, uh, labels aren't that, but 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 the idolatry is is is, is very real. And there's there, there's one form of idolatry uh, that 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 is high above every other. I call the prince of idols. And what is that? Money. We exist in a church that primarily exists not to serve Jesus, but to serve money. Matthew chapter six, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, verse 19, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasures, there your heart will be also. How many times have you been told in your Christian walk that you should not save any money on earth, but you should save all of it in heaven? Because if you have a lot of money on earth, then your treasure will be on earth. How many times have people told you that? Never. I like all the time, yes, if you go to our church, all, it's like all the time. <laughs> I've never heard it preached. Um, never. Uh, saving is considered wise. It's considered the thing that you must do. It's considered irresponsible if you don't save. And yet, I, this is not what Jesus says. He says, do not. He doesn't say, if you feel like there may be political uncertainty or economic uncertainty or, or 
or don't save any except for your emergency reserve fund. He doesn't say that. He says, do not. I, I, I don't know how he could construct words that are stronger and more unequivocal than what he did. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the reason. This is, he, doesn't always, he doesn't owe us a reason. You understand? God is able to tell us what to do without telling us the reason. He has every right to do that. But in this instance, he tells us the reason. He says, because you cannot separate your heart from your treasure. And wherever the things that you value lie, necessarily, that is where your heart is also. You can't separate those things. The thing that you care about most is the thing that, that your heart is attached to. And where that thing is, that's, that's, where, that's, that's, that's where your heart is. And so if your heart is on earth, then if your treasure is on earth, your heart's on earth. And if your treasure is in heaven, then your heart's in heaven. Your commitment, your devotion, your thoughts are in heaven. And this is crazy, by the way. I, I, I don't know if you think about the implication of this. It means that you can move your affections, which are completely intangible, right? By moving something that is utterly tangible. That's, that's, that's nuts, y'all. Like, that's nuts. Like, you can take something tangible and move it, and your, something completely intangible, which is your affections and your heart, will move with it. That's awesome. And so it's bizarre that very few Christians do this. 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Like, what are you expecting? How could Jesus be more clear than this? Like, how is it possible? What could he possibly say that is more clear than this? <laughs> you cannot serve two masters. And so this does not mean that if you love money uh, and you serve money that Jesus cannot save you. It's very possible for Jesus to be your savior but not your Lord. Most people, I think, for whom Jesus is savior, he is not Lord. He's just savior. But our worship songs are like, you know, Lord of all. I mean, everybody in this room was singing it. But is he Lord of you? And he cannot be Lord of you if you serve money. Can't be. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know this verse, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, but the next part of it is actually a little bit more penetrating than that. It is through this craving, what's that craving? The craving for money. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I'm, I wanna suggest something to you. The, the majority of sorrows that the people of God experience is due to the fact that we serve money rather than God. We don't always see the side effects of these things. We don't always relate them, but it is how it is. There's a, a man of God that I respect deeply and he was talking about um, uh, some people that he had pastored. Uh, and um, and, uh, and uh, 
it was a typical conversation that we have. It would go something like this. Uh, a man would walk into his office and, and say, hey, pastor, I'm really struggling. And, and uh, he, he didn't go to their church. Uh, he was just um, you know, there for a conference or something. And, um, and, and he said, okay, what's the problem? The problem said, okay, the problem is um, uh, um, my family's moved. Um, I, I, uh, I took a new job. My family has moved. And, um, and we just can't find a church in our city uh, that works for us. It's like, um, it's not that there aren't churches. Uh, there are churches, we just can't find one that is for us. We go to the worship, we don't really, it's just like the culture, and it's not judgment against it, we just don't feel like we fit. And, um, and, um, uh, and so he'll ask, okay, so why, why did you move? He said, oh, I moved from my job. Um, okay, so, so he says, so you um, live where you live, not because God told you to live there, but in order to make money. and you can't find uh, uh, your part in the body of God in that city. Uh, okay, um, the reason is because you're not supposed to be there. Uh, well, well, that was a job offer that paid me the most. Um, uh, okay, um, so, uh, so what you're saying is that you will go wherever they offer you the most money, and, 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 but you call yourself a Christian but you can be bought with a higher paycheck. You, you can't serve both God and money. I don't know, like, this makes more clear. And, and, and then he'll ask, um, okay, how's your family doing? My family's doing terribly. How are your kids doing? They hate their school. Like, like I mean, it's just like, at some point, and, and say, okay, would you, give, would, you, would you give up your job to find your place in the body of God? Would you give up your job to find a spiritual family? Would you give up your job to find a place where you belong, a school that your kids love, a place where your wife is happy? He said, I would give that up in a moment. He said, why did you go down the road in the first place? Because they, paid, they, they offered to pay me the most. And this is the sort of conversation that happens often. We, we expect that we can follow the money and then God will just bless us along the way. We expect that we can go wherever Google's offered us a job or Facebook has offered us a job or Goldman has offered us a job and then, oh, we'll just, we'll just find a church after we get there. Delusional. You can't serve God in money. God does not owe it to you to sympathize with your idolatry. He doesn't owe it to you. He has no reason to do that. In fact, he shouldn't do that. That's crazy. It is crazy for you to expect that you can follow the money and God will just bless you in the idolatry. That's crazy. Like that, that's, that's insanity. That's absolute insanity. There are, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's the, the same in ministry. There, there are Christian speakers that will go to uh, whatever conference offers them the highest paycheck. Th that's also the idolatry of money. It's the same, it's just in ministry. It's the same, and they do their little song and dance routine. It's impressive, and, and they're anointed to do it. And, and, but, but afterwards, it's like, oh, give me my paycheck. It's the same thing, it's idolatry of money. God will not bless you. In fact, he cannot bless you uh, when you're serving um, uh, uh, I, I want to say this the right way. He, he cannot bless you in the fullness of, of your part in the kingdom. Like, he, he'll still bless you because, um, because there's a general, uh, uh, a universal grace by which God blesses everybody, right? He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. So, so there's still that kind of a blessing where he's not, your world's not falling apart necessarily, but it's just not the blessing of being in the fullness of his will, which is the blessing that we want to experience. It's not that blessing. And you're being robbed of that blessing because you're where you are because that's where the money is. And, 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 and we think that this is the will of God for us. We, we, we call this wisdom. We call this the only way to be. Most of you, when you graduate, if you're like your peers, will apply for jobs or apply for grad schools and the highest ranked grad school that accepts you or the highest paying job that is offered to you is where you will go and you expect God to bless you in that place. Rubbish. Don't be, don't, like, don't be surprised if your relationship with God falls apart. 
when you make choices in life um, based on those things. That's what 1 Timothy 6 says. He says, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. So you went to Harvard Med School instead of you know, University of Virginia Med School because Harvard is better ranked and then your faith falls apart and you're like, God, how did that happen? Yeah, that happened because you followed your craving for something of the world that was not the worship of God and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Um, there's a heck of a lot of suffering in the Christian life uh, where the open door, um, uh, I, I don't want to get to a very extensive teaching um, about this particular aspect, but the enemy has no right um, to afflict you unless there's an open door in your life. The, the Lord is a hedge of protection around you in the spirit. The Lord is a hedge of protection around you, um, and so unless you open a door to the enemy, he has no right to give you sickness, to give you uh, tiredness, um, to give you uh, affliction. Uh, there, there is persecution. Persecution is, 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 is a little bit different, but, but, but sorrows, there's no right for the enemy to bring sorrows into unless there's an open door. And um, so... so, so um, uh, anytime there's something wrong in your life, you really should ask the question, where is the open door? It may be unrepentant sin. It may be a, a variety of different things. It may be bitterness. It may be offense. It may be, honestly, a variety of different things. But, but what Paul is saying to Timothy here is that very often, sorrows have come into our life because we tolerate a love for money. And the love for money is, it, it, it is an open door for all sorts of sorrows to come into our life. It's, it's a gap in our armor um, that we cannot fix unless we get rid of that love, that craving for more money. I, 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 would you not give up 90% of your money to not have cancer? To not have kids that rebel against you? To not have, um, does that make any sense? Like, like would, you, would you not give up? Like, like here's the problem. The problem is after you get the money and you realize how worthless it is, then you go back and you're, oh God, I would pay, like take all my money, just get rid of this. It's too late. Like, like you already chose to expose yourself uh, to those sorrows in your life. The, 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 the time to choose is now. Like before you worship, before you bow down to the idol, choose to not bow down and, and allow the Lord to protect you from the afflictions of life. Um, the desire for more money by making more money is, is one type of idolatry. There's a different type of idolatry was the desire to save money, uh, which that's what Jesus talks about. And, and uh, there are, you know, Christians, we, we have invented spiritual terms, um, nice sounding terms to justify uh, all, all this nonsense that we do. And, and, and there's a spiritual term for this uh, called stewardship. Um, stewardship. Stewardship is, is you ask any um, a pastor, uh, you know, how you're supposed to think about spending money, and the first thing is say, stewardship. Okay. Um, define stewardship. Because the way that most people define stewardship, um, God would be a terrible steward. God would be a very terrible steward. I'll give you one very easy example. Jesus multiplied bread in order to feed people. After he multiplied the bread, there were five baskets left over in one case, and seven baskets left over in the other case, which were wasted. So is Jesus a poor steward or a poor accountant? He bought too much food. Is, is he a poor steward or a poor accountant? Like, 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 which, like, like, was he confused by the number of people? Was the Holy Spirit just unable to, did he poorly predict people's appetites? Like, it was just, he didn't know how much they were going to eat. Like, and so he brought too much. Like, or, or, or maybe is stewardship not actually that important to him at all. 
Maybe he's quite content with everybody eating as much as they want to eat and there being some left over. Like maybe God's not actually incredibly concerned about waste. Maybe he's not as concerned about waste as much as we are concerned about waste because we are hiding our desire for good steward. We're hiding our love to have more money behind, it's a disguise behind good stewardship. So I'm not going to actually be extravagant or kind or generous because I want to be a good steward. But really what it is, is I'd rather have the money in my bank account rather than obey the word of God and what he's called me to do. Sometimes the, the, uh, God is such a bad steward that it makes me really amazed. The sun, for instance, radiates energy in every direction equally. You know this. It's roughly a ball. It radiates energy in every direction equally. The Bible says that God created um, the lights in the sky to give light to the earth and to rule the day. I don't know what it means to rule the day, but to give light to the earth, that part I know very well. How much of the energy of the sun, which is the most important source of energy on the earth, how much it causes plants to grow, causes oceans, it causes, like everything, right? Like our planet exists because of the sun's energy. Do you, do you know this or you know, maybe you don't? Okay, great. How much of the sun's energy is useful energy used by the earth? Roughly one part out of 100 billion. The rest of it, wasted in the cosmos. One part in 100 billion. Listen, imagine that your church raised 100 billion dollars and did with it whatever they wanted, burned it, and used only one dollar <laughs> to buy a cup of cold water for an old lady. And you are the donor. And you're Elon Musk, you know, and, and, and you call your church to account. And they said, sorry, Elon, we burned 99 billion, 999 million, 999,999 dollars, but we did buy a bottle of water for an old lady. Yes, exactly. And yes, that's what God does 24-7 with one of his hundreds of billions of stars in this galaxy among hundreds of billions of galaxies all out there all radiating energy, all wasted, completely wasted. The problem is that God is not controlled by this idea of stewardship because he's, he's not. He, he's, he's, he's just, sometimes we have religious ideas that sound really, really nice and, 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 and then we think, does God do this? Is this a reflection of God's nature? If the answer is no, then you shouldn't try to imitate that. There's no need to imitate that. It's, it's not at all the will of God. It, 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 what it is, is it's a disguise for people that want more money in their bank account. And so there are two ways to have more money in your bank account. One is to make more, is to crave for more coming in, and the other is to crave for less going out. And we practice idolatry on both sides. Because of our love of money, uh, uh, we're willing to follow money into places where, frankly, it should not take us. Like, if you're a minister of the gospel, you should never be able to be bought by a big paycheck. No, no one should be able to get you to speak at their church for a $50,000 honorarium. Like, it just, if, if, if you can be bought for it, then you don't serve God, you serve money. I, I just want to be, and that's the vast majority of, 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 of itinerant ministers out there. But, 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 but you also should not be purchasable by money. No one, no one should be able to get you to go to their school because they offer you a full tuition scholarship. 
notion to be able to get you to work at their company because uh, they pay you 20% more uh, than a competitor, or 30%, or heck, 10 times, 50 times, 100 times more. Uh, uh, nobody should be able to get you to rent their apartment because it's $200 cheaper than a different apartment. No one should be able to get you to buy a car because it's $2,000 less than another car. Like, do you, do you understand? I'm not saying that you should not never save money. What I'm saying is that cannot be the controlling influence on your life. It's not, the, saving money is not a problem. Like, save money, like, by, by all means. Like, like you, you should not be wasteful either. That, that's not, not, not just, I don't want you to, um, to be wasteful. What I want you to is not to be controlled by the need to have more money. That, that, that's the point. The point is that you cannot be controlled by it. The, the point is that it, it cannot like, manifest in your life. I've, I have, I've, uh, one, uh, years ago, we had um, a young man that uh, many of us loved dearly who left the church because he wanted to make more money on the side on the weekends in school. And, and it, it's not that I don't sympathize because uh, he wanted money and, and he didn't have a lot of it and, and he found a way to have a little business to make more of it. It's just that um, if that's the, your sole motivation, if that is your primary motivation, that I will abandon the place that I feel like God has called me to be in order to make a little bit more money or to save a little bit more money, uh, you don't serve God, you serve money. And, uh, and, and if you serve money, Jesus said, it's, a, it's an if and only if statement, right? Like if you serve money, necessarily you don't, ser- you don't serve God necessarily. There's, there's, no one, there's no one that can do both. Like, no one says, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I do my best to make the most money possible, but I, but I really serve God. No, that's not true. That's not how it is. It's just, you, you serve money. It's what it is. There are a lot of people that are, um, uh, uh, that will say, you know, I want to make the most money possible so that, uh, so, that, so that I can give away the most possible. That's a delusion. Stop that madness. It's an idolatry of money. You're just disguising it behind some, some future intent to good. Like, don't believe any of that nonsense. It, it's just a lie. When you, in your heart, crave money and you want to hide it behind something that sounds nice, it's ridiculous. God doesn't need a penny of it. He doesn't need a penny of it. He's utterly no need for it. He, he, he owns the entire universe. He doesn't need yours. He, he can make manna fall out of the sky. He can make gold appear in the ground. He, he, just, he can make a winning lottery ticket in your pocket right now. Like, there's no, he's, he has utterly no need for our, for our offerings. And he will not tolerate a, a 10 years of idolatry to the world in, in order to give him something that he doesn't need. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to say, I'm going to go and I'm going I'm to give my life, give my youth, give my energy in order to make more money. For what? God doesn't need it. He doesn't want it, frankly. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. The, 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 like, we think that, that it's right for everybody to have a lot of money and, and, and for us to have it. It's just not the way God thinks. Um, uh, one time years ago, there was a young lady, uh, who was a student at MIT at the time, she was a grad student, and, and she'd done some work and saved up a few thousand dollars. And um, one of our guest speakers took an offering, which I hate taking offerings, but he did. And, um, and, and the young lady gave all of it, uh, gave, uh, figured out how much was in her bank, and wrote the check out. And, and, and gave it to his ministry. Afterwards, um, one of the campus staff workers um, emailed me, who, who I had known through my, from my time at MIT, and said, um, I can't believe you allowed this to happen. Um, you need to give me the contact information for the, uh, the guest speaker that took the offering. We're gonna contact their ministry. They need to give her her money back. She has nothing else to live on. They need to give her money back. And, um, and, um, and, and I said, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. Like, it's, first of all, we didn't take the offering. It's not with us. I, I so, second of all, like, I'm, 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 not, I'm not gonna do that. But what, what, I, what I am I'm, I'm, uh, amazed by is that that is the prevalent attitude of the people of God. That, that is the prevalent attitude of the people of God. Do you remember um, when Jesus sat down in the temple and he watched everybody give the offering and everybody brought their heaps of gold and then a, 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 an old woman came with two copper coins and she put both of them in the offering box. Did Jesus run up to start, stop, stop, you have nothing else to live on. Stop, where are you gonna get food this week? 
Is that what he did? But that is what your pastor would do, and that is what your mom would do, and that is what your dad would do. Is that what Jesus did? Is that what he did? No. He turned to his disciples and said, do you see her? Best offering today. Awesome. Four stickers. No, I'm, I'm, like, it's just not, it, it, do you think it's a problem when our attitudes and his attitudes just clearly are totally like enemies of one another? It, like, is that, a, is that a potential problem for the church that we've been infiltrated by attitudes and ideas and thought patterns that are totally, it's, just not, it's not just that God's not thinking it. It's, a, it's totally at odds and it's an enemy of God. It, it's, it, it's an enemy of the way that he thought. When the woman gave up her last piece of bread uh, you know, when, when, when the widow that fed Elijah gave up her last handful of flour to feed Elijah, the Lord did not, stop, Elijah, how could you possibly take her last handful of flour? What are you doing? I thought you were, pro no, it's just like, this is the will of the Lord. You know, or if you're a fan of the Mandalorian, this is the way. You know, like, like this, this is the way. Like, like, this is the way. This is the way to secure treasure that is in heaven and to secure a heart that is anchored to heaven rather than earth. It's very easy to not be attached to things of the world. Don't have anything here. You weren't very concerned about the price of Bitcoin falling unless you own Bitcoin. If you did, then you're very concerned that you bought it at $63,000, congratulations, and now it's at 27 or something. You're very concerned. But if you didn't buy any, then you're probably not concerned. You're losing sleep over Bitcoin. It depends entirely on whether you own any. It depends entirely on whether you own it. So it's very clear. Your heart's there if your treasure is there. Your heart's not there if your treasure is not there. Like, it's, it's, it, this is not a difficult principle, right? If your treasure's there, your heart's there. If your treasure's not there, it's just like you hear, you know, a news story of, of, of you know, some guy bro broke into a bank vault and took everything that's there. I mean, you only care if you had an account at the bank. If you didn't have an account at the bank, so what? <laughs> you know, like, it's just, I mean, you hope the police go and for the sake of justice and, you know, everything else, but, like, but you don't really care. But if you did have your money there, you'd probably be there, like, you know, as quickly as you can to figure out if they stole your money, right or not right. And that's why Jesus, save yourself. Put your treasure in heaven. There's no thieves up there. None. There are no thieves up there. There's nothing that destroys it. There's no inflation in heaven, praise the Lord. As far as I know, there are no taxes in heaven, <laughs> praise the Lord. As far as I know, there are no thieves in heaven, as far as I know. Thank you, Jesus. There's no moth, there's no rust. There's nothing that destroys it. Your treasure that's in heaven is yours, safely yours, perfectly safely yours forever and ever. And more than that, more than that, more than just a heap of gold, your heart will be there too. If that's not important to you, I don't know what is. Like, if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what does. If, you're, if your heart is with your Tesla, your Tesla's deteriorating in value faster than you can think or imagine. The battery is, it's, it's, it's not a good store of treasure. Your Porsche, not a good store of treasure. Your Monet, not really, really, it, it, your Monet is one fire away from being, one, one match away from being worthless. It's, you know, one can of tomato soup, whoops, you know, away. <laughs> From, from being worth nothing, from being worth nothing. And on the other hand, there is nothing and no one that can ever take away from the things that you've offered to God freely. Nothing, nothing. I don't trust this world, that's why I don't save. I don't trust American dollars. 
I don't trust the American government to steward my American dollars. Like, even if I took some and stashed them, I don't trust them. You know who I trust? God Almighty. And if the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken, I, I trust that if I ever needed it, that literally man would fall from heaven for me. That's what I trust. I trust that if the day were to actually come where I had no job and I had no income and nobody fed me, that, that the angels of heaven and the birds of the sky would come to bring me food. And it, it's, it's not because he owes it to me. I, I don't, God owes me, you understand God owes me no debt. It, it's, it's just that that's the way that God treats people that trust him. And, uh, and, and if I starve because I'm the first person that God has ever abandoned in human history, like I said, that would be fun to show up there and be like, God, I am the first person you've ever abandoned in human history. I am an outlier. I am a unicorn, <laughs> unique, gloriously unique, <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately that's not gonna happen because gravity will fail before God fails. You, you know, the universe will fail before God fails. <laughs> there, 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 there's nothing else that you lean on that will, that will fail. Um, after God, like God, God is not, God is not going to fail. Like e everything you see and know, the entire earth will be shredded before, before God fails. Like it, it, he will utterly not fail. And, um, and, uh, and, and that's unfortunate because sometimes I, I think it would actually be fun if God were to fail because I just want to give him something that, that he hasn't given me something in return. I want to do something that's not rewarded, you know, because, um, because I would just really be nice. There are some people that give, um, that give to get 30 fold, 60 fold and hundred fold in return. Why? Why? Imagine that we're, um, imagine that, 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 um, that, that, that uh, I'm playing uh, Monopoly with my kids. And um, we all have Monopoly money, but, but, but I, I give them a special option that is not usually available in Monopoly, which is that if you don't want to play Monopoly anymore, you can give me your Monopoly money and I'll give you real money, US dollars. Well, that would be a great game. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be a great game? That would be a great game. And, and the, the wise thing for them to do is not to try to accrue Monopoly money. The, the wise thing for them to do is every time they have a dollar of Monopoly money, <laughs> to trade it for real money as quickly as possible, like until I close the bank, you know, to like stop too much, like, you know, uh, for, them, for them to do that. And, and that is exactly the sort of exchange that God offers to us, except that we want more Monopoly money. Um, if I give you a dollar of Monopoly money and you give me 30 back, that's not a reward. I don't want that. I want you to give me an American dollar. Like, just give me one American dollar. Don't give me 30 Monopoly dollars. Give me one American dollar back. And, and some people give in order to get 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold in return. No. <laughs> no, no. Give me treasure in heaven. Don't give me 30-fold. Give, give me treasure in heaven. Give, don't give me 30-fold. Give me, give me treasure in heaven. Now, if you insist that I have 30-fold, fine. But give me treasure in heaven. Like, you know, it, it, that, that's the objective. There are some people that teach, well, you know, if you give, God will give you back the same worthless money that is not going to be worth anything 80 years from now when I'm dead and rotting? Like, I don't want that. I, I want the thing that will always be with me that I cannot lose, that I cannot, like, I want that thing. Don't give me 30-fold. And so somebody's like, you know, if you give him my offering, Jesus will give you 10-fold in return. Um, I'd rather him not. I'd rather him give me, uh, I'd rather him give me a heart that is pure. I, I'd rather him give me a treasure that cannot be defiled. Um, I'd, I'd rather him give me, um, not, 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 even if I didn't get any treasure in heaven, but I just had the delight of his heart, that what I did was right in his eyes, that would be enough. Even if, even if the only thing that I ever got was that he was just happy with the choice that I made. 
that would be enough for me. That would be enough for me. The other part of this that's, that's equally important, and I said I want to be faster because I want to worship um, a little bit and then um, send you all out. The other part of this that's really important is that there are, um, every type of sin that we have uh, prevents us from manifesting certain attributes of God. And, and, and the, this stewardship, which I haven't invented a good word for this, but this, 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 this false idea of stewardship prevents us from, from demonstrating the extravagance of God in, in search of stewardship. Um, do you know that God is extravagant? And do you know that very few humans are? There are humans that are generous, but generous and extravagant are not the same thing. Generous means that I give you something that you didn't deserve and I didn't have to give you. Extravagant means that when I give you something, that I give you more bountifully, more beautifully, uh, um, more deeply um, than, than anyone has any business giving to you. <clears throat> if I invite you over to dinner and, and, and you have no reason to expect that I would do that, um, I, I'm generous. And I'm generous regardless of whether I serve you vegetables or potatoes or, or, or steak or caviar. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm generous, like, regardless of, of, of how that plays out. But I'm extravagant if I, instead of just saying, well, let's just both get pad thai because that's cheapest and I have a buy one, get one free deal. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm extravagant if instead of just, you know, getting a Big Mac at McDonald's, if I um, set the table and prepare a banquet before you. That's extravagance. Do you see how it's different from generosity? As Christians, we value generosity because we rightfully, by the way, understand that that is part of the nature of God. But extravagance is something that we don't manifest very often because it runs in direct contradiction to stewardship. Extravagance is not luxury, by the way. <clears throat> it's, not, uh, it's not wasting, it's not burning caviar like, or, 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 or you know, pouring $1,000 bottles of champagne. It's not that. It's a manifestation of the heart. It reveals something about the beauty and the, and the bigness um, and, the, and the depth of a heart um, that is not just about, you know, like, you know, it's not, it's not that. It, it, it's, um, it, it's not about spending a lot of money as much as it's about investing the fullness of your heart to represent um, something that is, is, is wider than, deeper than, more beautiful than, um, uh, th than just simply providing, which is, which is generous, do you know? Um, when Jesus provided food um, uh, for the multitudes, he didn't have to provide fish, he could have just provided bread. But he provided bread and fish. And, 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 and it, it, does that make any sense? Whereas like when, if we were to feed a lot of people, we would just give them bread. Because that's cheaper and that's easier. But that, that's not necessarily the nature of God. If, God. if the reason for food to exist was simply for us to um, subside, w there's no reason for there to be so many animals to eat, uh, for there to be so many plants to eat, for there to be so many fruits to eat. Are you not sometimes just overwhelmed um, by the deliciousness of fruit? Like, are you not just like overwhelmed by how like there are so many different types of apples, some tart, <laughs> some sweet, some crisp, some mushy, like some green, some red, some orange, some, like, and, and like, are you not just overwhelmed by the abundance of like, why does God need to make so many different varieties of apples? Do you know? And then grapes, I love grapes. I love, I sincerely, and then mangoes. Praise the Lord. Just burst out in praises. Watermelon. You know, honeydew and cantaloupe and bananas. And, and not just banana, plantains. And if you fry them, they taste different. Both delicious. Both incredible, but they taste different. And then there's all the Asian fruits that some of you don't even know about. God have mercy. God have mercy. You're missing out. Like, like God has been generous to you, but not that extravagant. Like, like, <laughs> like what you need to do is to go to Thailand or, or, or China or, or, or Taiwan and, and taste uh, a, 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 a lychee. 
uh, or, or, or 82, uh, you know, because how could you have just one? Um, a, a mangosteen. You don't even know what a mangosteen is. You're not, my son, you are not a man. Like, you know, you need, you need some mangosteen in your life. You look at you like, oh, Google mangosteen. Like, it, you mango, mangosteen. It's not a mango. It's a mangosteen. And it looks like a bulb of garlic. It tastes nothing like a bulb of garlic. It is incredible. Jackfruit, incredible. Like, like, are you not, like, but, but you understand God did not need to do this, actually. He didn't need to. If, if the point of, 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 of food was just for us to exist, for us to have energy and fuel in our bodies to exist, he didn't need to, but he did. Because he's not just generous, which would have been creating bananas. We didn't deserve that. He's generous. He's not generous. He's also extravagant. And here's the problem. When we have decided that we are going to be good stewards, we are not extravagant. The Bible does not call us to be extravagant with ourselves. The Bible calls us to be extravagant with others. When I'm talking about extravagance, I'm not talking about you buying a Burberry coat for yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you demonstrating the extravagance of God to others. Now, God doesn't have a problem with you buying Burberry coat. I don't even care. But, but, but it's the, the, the mandate is to demonstrate the extravagance of God to someone else. Um, a, a long time ago, not a long time ago, probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, Lily and I were um, at dinner with a, with a missionary couple that we really like. And... Um, I really, I really enjoyed this memory. Um, uh, with, uh, and and there, were, there were five of us there, and we ordered a lot of food, as one does um, when they go out to dinner. Um, I, uh, I, it, it would, if we ever go out to dinner together, it would um, deeply upset me if the only thing you ordered were an entree. And it would also deeply upset me if you ordered the cheapest entree on the menu. And I know that your mother taught you to order modestly. Praise God for your mother. Um, and uh, you do that uh, to, to, to everybody out there. Um, but, uh, but, but it would, and so, and be, but because most people that I take out to dinner have been trained to order modestly, um, I don't let them order. Uh, it's just like, we, we, like don't, you, don't, don't worry about it. Like, like just, um, I, so I don't really let them order. Uh, and so we, we had, um, I don't know, there were five of us, we probably had like 20 plates of food, you know? And then, and then afterwards it was dessert time. And, uh, and they had, I don't know, six or eight desserts on the menu. And, 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 and I was like, tag with it. Let's have like one of each. And the, the missionary couple were like, what? Like one of each? Like we're full, we're stuffed. We're like, we don't need any dessert. Well, dessert comes. And I'm actually stuffed. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm actually stuffed. But the guy, uh, Finney, you know him, I'll tell you who he is later. Um, um, the guy, like, you know, he, was, he, he liked the food, um, but he loved the desserts. And uh, I don't know, there were like six desserts or something. And like, we were like, I can't eat, I'm, I'm about to explode. Like, I, like, somebody needs to roll me home, kind of full. <laughs> And, and he's not a big guy, he's a small guy. Like, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a large guy. Like, he's, he's, he's a petite dude. Um, uh, but he did not let a single drop of whipped cream go to waste. Like, there's not, there's not, he ate every, and we sat there like, and his wife was like, what are you doing? Like, and, you know, just like are you out of control? He ate all of it, he ate all of it. He ate all of it. I, I don't know. I spent like $80 or something on those desserts. But, 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 and that's, most people would say that's, that's very poor stewardship. You order 28 plates of food for five people? Yes. Yes. Because it's important for you to know that he's an extravagant God. That is a very important part of, of, who, of his perfection. 
he's not like, um, well, the broccoli is cheaper than the spinach, so you better not be getting spinach this week. Um, he's, he, that, that is not at all his attitude towards you uh, or your church or your pastor um, or your parents uh, or your friends or your brothers and sisters. He, he, if he wanted to do that, he would have created the world differently than he did. It's not who he is. But that is who we are because somebody along the way told us that that's righteousness. And that's what God wants for us. It's not. It's not. Being extravagant to yourself does not demonstrate any of the qualities of God. Don't, don't, don't do that. Do not allow yourself to enter self-indulgence. Um, it's especially, uh, it is especially sinful when you are more generous to yourself than you are to God. It is especially, it is especially sinful um, when you're extravagant with yourself, but you are very, um, uh, but you pinch pennies when it comes to God. When, when it comes to tithing, you tithe, you know, you know 9.998%, you know, because you, you don't want to do the extra penny because that would be over 10%, and you just can't, you can't do over 10%. You, just, you, you need the money. Um, but then when it comes to you, it's like, yeah, I'll have the BMW. Like, like, like that, that is, it's, it's not just um, oh, foolish, that's sin. That's sin. Uh, and, and, and if God treats you similarly, then, uh, you know, so that's sin. You can't do that. Um, but, but if you are extravagant towards God, um, then you have every reason to expect that God will be extravagant towards you. And, uh, and if, if you're willing to, if you're willing to be extravagant to others, um, then what, you'll, what will happen to you is that you will experience in this life um, not just the riches of God, um, but the bounty of God. And, and that's something, by the way, that you can't buy. You can't buy it. Um, you can't buy, uh, you, you can buy things that God has created, sure. Like, like you, you can do that. And there are billionaires that spend $100,000 a week on groceries because um, they just want to have everything around. But, but that's not quite it. There's, there's a depth and there's a richness and there's something else about God. There's a quality of God that only God can offer to you. There's a quality of the experience of God that only God can offer to you. And, and if you want to tap into that, you have to be extravagant towards him. That means that I'm not just putting as many dollars as possible into the offering plate, that I'm thinking about the way to invest in his kingdom in different people um, that he has brought into my life. Because it's not just about the, the greatness of the numbers, it's also about the way that it's done that reflects his nature. Does, does that make any sense? The, the way that you invest something, the way that you give, the way that you partner, the way that you, that demonstrates his nature as much as the amount of money um, that is leaving your wallet. And, and you, can, you can only afford to think about that when you don't care how much money is in your wallet. You're just trying to do, um, does that make any sense? Like you can't think about the extravagance part until after you get over the numbers part. Um, but the extravagance of God demonstrates the beauty of God. And the beauty of God, even to the people, even most people, the people of God, Christians, 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 even most Christians know nothing about his beauty. Because we, we, we don't really um, live a life in which we get to experience it. We did a program last year for, for missionaries, which um, I only want to share one story. Um, uh, we, uh, we did Oceanfront Resort um, in Cancun, um, one of the newest um, hotels in the zone, which it just worked out. God led us there. It was, it was a wonderful thing. But, um, but there was uh, one of the daughters of, of one of the missionary families. Um, she said something that really moved my heart. Well, she didn't, not, not to me, but her mom told me this story. Um, they're, they're missionaries in South Africa. have been there for a very, very long time and, and never really had a lot of money because they, they just, they, it's hard as missionaries to raise um, 
money, but uh, they, they had a beautiful room, balcony overlooking the ocean, and, and, and they ordered, one morning they ordered room service, which was provided as part of um, what we were doing. Um, you could order as much as you want room service. And the room service, I, we, I, I love room service at the Zuta. It's wonderful. You get the omelets and egg whites and, you know, and, and fruit plate. And when they bring you the fruit plate, it's not just, you know, um, bananas and apples. It's, you know, it's, it's melons and berries and, and mangoes. They give you a whole half of a mango on your fruit plate, and you order as many fruit plates as you want. So one morning the family ordered, um, ordered room service. I encourage everybody to order room from the beginning, but I don't think they knew that they could. So most people, I don't think, did. But this family did. And um, and and as the daughter was eating room service um, that morning with with her mom uh, in their room, she said she said to her mom, she said, "Mom, you would never bring us on a vacation like this. Like you would never do this for us." And her mom wept. And in that moment, she said, um, sweetie, you're absolutely correct, but Jesus did. You're absolutely correct. That was not in my heart, but Jesus did. And there's something about um, the revelation of his extravagance um, that uh, uh, attracts us and, um, and stabilizes our relationship with him. Uh, we can face great hardship if we've tasted of his great goodness. And we don't allow ourselves or anyone else to taste of his goodness because, because we think that stewardship is, is like this, stewardship! Um, there, there are some people that would criticize us, ministry watchdog type people, um, for using a hotel like this to do an event um, because you're, it's, it's the Lord's money. You know, you should be at Motel 6. Uh, um, and, 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 you know, and, uh, you know, for lunch, just Subway sandwiches, or you forget that Wawa, you know, get the gas station sandwiches, get the gas station sandwiches. And, uh, I, 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 I understand completely that I could save a lot of money by getting gas station sandwiches. Uh, you don't need to, incur- you don't need to tell me how much money I could save by getting gas sandwiches. Um, and I'm not even, uh, uh, you can thank our, our different members who have catered this weekend. Um, I was so moved by the extravagance of the falafel place yesterday that, that Sister Carolyn catered um, just, I mean, french fries and, and baklava. And I, I told Lily, who's overseas, I was like, we should not get baklava. That's too extravagant. And Lily was like, well, Carolyn wants to. And so I was like, oh, it's not my money. <laughs> um, and uh, we, yeah, we, we could, and, and, and we could give you cafeteria food because that's what you get at school every day. But that would not demonstrate anything of God to you. And these little choices that are made are, are, it's for you to experience not how great we are, it's to experience who God is to you and his love for you. And if you can grab a hold of that, then when they throw you in jail for being a Christian, your faith will stand firm because you know that God is not only is not abandoned, he's the best person you ever, he is better than you could pop and you will stand up to persecution. You'll stand up to loneliness. You'll stand up to all sorts of things because you know his goodness. And you can't know his goodness if no one allows you to experience it because we've created some doctrine <laughs> which is founded in idolatry, not wisdom. We founded some doctrine that prevents anybody in the church from experiencing envy as goodness. I, I don't want to encourage you to go out there and buy expensive things for yourself, take yourself to the spot. That, that's not the point at all. 
I want to encourage yourself to invest yourself extravagantly in Jesus and in the ministry that he's given to you in the purposes of your life. And what you'll see is extravagant goodness pouring into you. It doesn't always need to cost a lot of money at all. It's not about the, uh, some of the best french fries are, are, are a hole in the walls. They're not at Michelin star restaurants, you know, hole in the walls. It's not about spending a lot of money. It's, it's about, um, being at the right place in the right time, and it's about God bringing it into your life, pouring it into you for you to experience, because that, he's that kind of a good God. Um, if any of you choose a grad school based on its ranking, uh, and, uh, l- allow me to slap you. <laughs> I have, I, there are people in my church, uh, in our church, that have chosen grad schools based on the ranking that walked away from the faith. I mean, do you understand why? Uh, you don't understand why, like how come I, I went to this school rather than that school and, and I walked away from God. First Timothy 6 says it very clearly. Some have wandered from the faith because of these cravings. Do not be surprised if you follow the world, if you follow paychecks, if you follow rankings, if you follow prestige and you walk away from God and pain, suffering, sickness, loneliness, depression, brokenness comes into your life. It's not God punishing you. It's the natural outcome of what happens when a man or woman walks into idolatry rather than into the family of God. It's the same as being, if you're an American citizen, uh, and, but you live in Gaza, you're not under the protection of the American military. Does that make any sense? And you can still be American, but you choose to live outside the protection of the American military. And, and that's not... That's not the Department of Defense's fault. They, they don't owe it to you to protect you if you choose to live in, in a war zone. Um, it, it's the same as with being the children of God. If you choose to live an idolatrous life where you serve a different God, he does not owe you the protection of, his, of, of being a part of his family. He is a very good father, uh, but, but, but he does not extend the reach of his arm to, to, to the idol's camps. And he just doesn't. Like, that, that's... Uh, it, it's just who he is. Like, like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't cover, he, he's not, he's not um, you have to understand this, like God is not greedy. It, and because God is not greedy, he allows other idols to exist. He could dominate the whole earth and make the whole earth a Christian place, but he's not, he's not actually greedy. He's content with the people that choose to be with him. And for that reason, he, he doesn't choose to exert his influence over people that don't want him to influence them. And so if you want to be a part of the kingdom and the system and the protection and the safety of God, you need to choose to serve God, not just to be saved by him. And that's a choice that we all have. That's a choice that we all have. I promise you, if you follow Jesus, and if you follow Jesus and you don't follow a paycheck and you don't follow prestige in this world, um, not only will you never starve, not only will you never starve, um, but your life will be much more bountiful than it otherwise would be. That does not mean you'll live in a bigger house or a nicer neighborhood. What it means is that whatever you have in this life, you have the capacity to enjoy it much more than you otherwise would have. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have the biggest house, but it's entirely empty of life and joy and laughter. It, it doesn't matter. Do you, does that make any sense? It means that whatever God brings into your life is exactly what you're going to need, and whatever it is, it's going to be filled with the life and the joy and, and the liveliness and the activity and the excitement of God, like, um, and, and the food that's on your table is going to be beautiful and wonderful and exciting and glorious, and, and, and yeah, may, like, maybe somebody else is wagyu, and, you know, you don't, but, like, who cares? Who cares? You know, what, what's important is that you experience the bounty of God in your life, not that you experience the luxuries of the world. So, so, so I, I, I want to really encourage you in this. 
Don't listen to the advice that you've heard to, to idolize money and think that that, is, um, that that is the will of God for your life or that it's okay or that he doesn't care. He very much cares. He very much cares. Um, it, I, I, there is nothing else that, in the Bible that Jesus actually says this clearly. You cannot serve God and money. There, um, I, Elijah, in 1 Kings 17, spoke to his generation and, he, and told them, don't be on the fence. Either serve God or serve Baal. And what he's talking about is that in Israel on that day, there were some people that served uh, Yahweh and Baal. They worshipped at both altars. And of course that was wrong. And, and of course um, God didn't want that. Of course he wanted them to choose one. But it was possible for them to worship at both altars. But Jesus says, it's not possible for you to worship at the altar of money and for you to worship at the altar of God. Those things are, are mutually um, uh, I- I- exclusive in a way that actually other forms of idolatry may or may not be. It's, it's very dangerous. Uh, and, and, um, and, and, <laughs> and but my heart, honestly, is, I, uh, is that there is so much of the nature of God that you simply will never experience and never see if you make choices based on where you can make the most or where you can spend the least. Um, I say this as a sinner. <laughs> when, I was, uh, um, when I was young, 22 years old, I, I was... I was um, uh, so concerned about saving money, I would drive 20, uh, 20 minutes to save two dollars. Um, sorry, two cents a gallon on gas. And 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 um, eventually, I did the math. You know, I realized the gas that I burnt. You know, <laughs> driving that twenty minutes uh, is is worth a lot um, uh, more than than the money I saved on the gas. It was foolishness, but I thought that it was holiness because I thought that being frugal was holy. Um, in the summertime, I lived in Miami, and I, 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 uh, I, I would not turn the AC on in my car. Um, uh, you, you know, I would have the, the smallest amount of AC possible to save the most gas possible. And I honestly, I thought that was holiness. I, I thought that that was exactly what God wanted for me. And, um, and it just wasn't. But, but I, nobody ever told me. Um, nobody ever told me, and nobody ever showed me. And, and everybody that had taught me, taught me that, that not saving a penny was the will of God. And, 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 and it just wasn't. And, and so I don't want you to stumble over the same mistake. Do not waste time or effort in this life saving something that God has in abundance. God, that God has in abundance. Do, do you understand? Just remember this. When the sun shines, one part in a hundred billion hits the earth. If you can do better than that, you're a better steward than God. So check off good steward and move on. Do you know? All right. Uh, worship team, I forget who's leading worship this morning. Why don't you guys come back up? We're going to worship a little bit more. Um, and then we're going to call it a day. Um, why don't you stand? Let's, let's just pray and then we'll go into worship and, and we'll do this. Father, we pray. I pray that you would free every single person in this room from the idolatry that's in our hearts, if it exists. Father, I pray that we would not be uh, those pretending. Like, this is not a problem for us if it is. Um, And I also pray, Father, that we would not be self-justifying, but but I pray for true freedom, for true freedom in this room this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, genuinely and truly that you would allow us to develop a trust in you that like the sparrow, there's no need for us to worry. There's no need for us to worry because our Father who is in heaven sees us and and you know everything we need. And and more than that, you see and you know everything we want. And and more than that, you know the things that we don't even know to want, but that we would enjoy. And it is your good pleasure, not just to give us the things that we need, but it is your good pleasure to bring extravagant, bountiful abundance into our lives. 
And we want to be sons and daughters, not orphans fending for ourselves, trying to grab as much as we can and stuff in our own pockets so that we have enough for tomorrow. But we want to be sons and daughters that know that as the sun rises, that your goodness rises over us, that as the sun rises, that manna falls on the ground, that as the sun rises, that there will be bread for us today, that as the sun rises, that your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness is there for us, renewed over us every single day of our lives. Father, I pray that not a single person in this room would live a life of just getting by or just enough. And maybe as we're students, that that is the reality that we go through right now. But Father, I pray that in that place of if we are the widow with the two coins, Father, I pray that we would take the opportunity to, to surrender those two coins and bring joy to your heart. Bring joy to your heart. Let us see the wisdom, Lord, of investing in you rather than our own future. Let us see the wisdom, God, of building your house rather than building our own. Let us see the wisdom, God, of, of, of choosing you first above all things. Let us see, God, what it could be like if we didn't have any idols before you. Father, I pray also that you would deliver the people in this room from the stronghold of the fear of poverty, the fear of not having enough. If you know in your heart that you are scared of not having enough, not having enough for today, not having enough for tomorrow, not having enough for five years from now, I, I, I want to ask you this morning to surrender it to Jesus. That is a demonic fear. It is not a holy fear. It is not the, not the wisdom of God. It is a demonic fear. The sparrow does not worry for tomorrow. The sparrow is not worried for tomorrow. How much less you, who are of so much more value than so many sparrows, how much more will God take care of you? If, if you have the fear of poverty, I pray that you would just surrender this morning. If you need to uh, surrender somehow, kneel somehow, you could come up to the front, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. Um, if you want somebody to pray for you, we can have people pray for you, but, but just give it up in your heart and let God deliver you from this. Let God deliver you from the fear of not having enough. Let God deliver you from the mindset of being an orphan that you have to take care of yourself, that you have to take care of yourself. The lilies of the field, they neither toil nor reap um, nor, nor, uh, nor spin, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of all of them. Not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. How much more will he take care of you? How much more will he take care of you? How much more, brothers and sisters, how much more will God take care of you? How much more will he take care of your children? How much more will he take care of your parents? How much more will we take care of your studies? How much more will we take care of your career? How much more will we take care of your clothing? How much more will we take care of your need? Does he not see that you need a car? Does he not see that you need a place to live? Does he not see that you need a house? Does he not see that you need a job? Does he not see that you need bread? Does he not see that maybe you need medicine? Does he not see that your parents uh, uh, need help in their retirement? Does Does he not see these things? Of course he does. Of course he does. He's not a neglectful God. He's not asleep at the wheel. He's, he's not napping or on vacation. He's, he's, he is ever faithful and ever true. Every man is a liar, but he is ever faithful and he is ever true. Men may fail you, but God never will. He never will. He is a perfect, perfect, perfect father. And if you have fear of, of, of lack, if you have fear of poverty, that is not something that God wants for you. That is not the wisdom of the Lord. That is the fear that men have put on you.
in Jesus' name. Deliverance in this room. Freedom in this room. Breakthrough in this room. The breaking of strongholds in this room. If you know that you have the idolatry of money in your heart, I don't condemn you whatsoever. I, I know exactly what it is like. And, and <laughs> but I want to ask you to get free. Maybe you need to give an offering today. I, I don't... <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't care. If you give it to here, if you give it somewhere else, I, I don't really care. I don't, I don't care about the money. But I do care about you being free. There have been many times over the years where I had the conviction to give away everything I had in, in the bank. And it's so freeing. It's not freeing if you give it insisting that God give you 10 times back immediately. That's not freeing. But it is freeing if you do it for the joy of the one who sees what you've done. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters would not live this life, that I would not live this life without experiencing your extravagant goodness. I pray that we would not live this life fending for ourselves like orphans on the street. I pray that we would not live this life thinking that the only thing that we'll ever have is the things that we earn, the things that we work for, the things that we've labored for, the paycheck that comes from our boss. But that we would know that all good things come down to us from you, our Father of lights. The rain falls on the earth and produces its fruit because of you. That fruit is bountiful and abundant and diverse and beautiful and tasty because of you. There are so many different types of sweetness because of you. There are so many different types of savory because of you. There are so many different types of sour because of you. There are so many colors in the rainbow because of you. Wow. The galaxies are all different because of you. The planets and the animals and the trees and the mountains the clouds in the sky and the sunset, everyone different from the last because of you. And you, our Father, and you watching out for us, making sure that we've eaten every meal, making sure that we have a place to put our head when we lie down to sleep at night. Making sure that there are clothes on our bodies, shoes on our feet. Making sure that we are able to fight off diseases and bacteria and 
not be overwhelmed by the pressures and tensions and hurts of this world. How could we not trust you? How could we trust our paycheck more than we trust you? How could we trust our bank or our investment portfolio or our parents or the scholarship we have more than we trust you? And if we do trust those things, Father, we come before you this morning and humble our hearts before you and repent. I'm so sorry, God, that I trust in any other name. I'm so sorry, God. I asked you to save me, but I didn't want you to adopt me. I wasn't willing to be a part of your house. I wanted to labor in the world and serve the system of the world. Father, save us. Save us. Save us. Save us. Break these chains off of us. If they're generational, break it off of our families. If they're on our parents, our siblings, our friends, break it off our communities. If our parents were immigrants, if our forefathers were slaves, break it off of us, God, our entire family line. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off, God. I trust that you are a father. I trust that you are a good father. I trust that you are an extravagant father, far more extravagant than what I could possibly imagine. I don't want to live a life not experiencing that. I don't want to live a life not knowing the riches of the bounty, of the blessings that you pour out over us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.